Hi, I'm Alexandra Yuhas. This is the fifth emergency episode of We Need Gentle Truths for Now. The podcast engages in radical digital media literacy by enjoying a bite of education and a bit of poetry, creating humane responses to fake news and social media in the era of COVID-19. This extra episode is made during an enduring time of uprising, following the murders of George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, Tony McDade, and countless other African Americans by police. During the third week of protest here in Brooklyn, I reached out to Juanita Mohamed Sapansky, an artist and activist with whom I've been collaborating since 1990. We met in Brooklyn as young people making AIDS activist video. We've since made a lot more video, written together, seen each other's children grow up. I've also collaborated with Juanita's daughter and her granddaughter, and I was lucky enough to attend Juanita's wedding a few years back. We've collaborated more recently on projects about disability and poetry. Years ago, in 1990, she wrote an inspiring poem for our first collaboration, We Care, a video for care providers of people affected by AIDS. For this emergency podcast, I asked, would she be willing to write a new poem about the hard truth, Black Lives Matter? Juanita chose to do this project while sheltering at home with her husband, writer and photographer, Henry Sapansky. Each wrote a poem. This episode begins with them reading two versions of Black Lives Matter. Their poems are as different as those written by two partners can be. A conversation ensues. They agree, they disagree. In so doing, they give permission to witness the honest playing out of another of my hard truths, number 74. Stay open to contradictions and power hashtag offline. As the project hopes, poetry about fake news and our lived and learned knowledge of racism, sexism, and disability can help us to stay open to related contradictions of power that emerge inside and outside of our homes, online and off. Here are Juanita and Henry. This is my poem called Why. Why would anybody kill a young black man? Why? We all know the answer. So why do we ask it? Why do we ask it? Why do we ask it? Denial, that's right, denial. Denial is a strong emotion. Life is cruel. Life is happy. Life is sad. Life has many unexplained things. Bad things. Bad things do happen to innocent people. Innocent lives are affected. The loving mom, the proud brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, too many to name. Lovers past and present. Future offspring that will never see you. Never fill your arms around you. Future offspring, your children, left alone. The homeboys feel it deeply as they hide their tears. The homegirls cry openly with deep feelings of the past. The community mourns the loss of their brightest spots. So pray, march, shout. Shout, 
just because someone had bullets and a uniform. They had bullets to spray. Another black man was carried away. Sign of the Times. I am a 66-year-old white man whose parents immigrated from Europe after the war. As a kid, my mother told me, if you ever get in trouble, find a police station or call a policeman. When my father was alive, he told me to respect the police. During the 60s, my father sat me down to watch the civil rights protests on the news. The images on the TV of people breaking windows, cars, setting fires, I noticed that these criminals seemed to be only black people. My father commented, this is what happens when you don't get a good education and really don't know better. It was days later, my father learned that through friends that they were protesting because black people did not have or share the same civil rights as white people. To my father's shock, he wondered, how could this be? This is the land of the free, right? 63 years later, people are still running from the police. Now we see during nonviolent protests through police body cameras, the brutality of the police. We witnessed the actual killing of black men while criminals of all colors are still being violent and destructive. The cry, Black Lives Matter, in my opinion, should say all lives matter, should be more accurate. Understanding the cry of change is necessary, and looking at this old argument, the argument of color, has to end. Living in the past serves no purpose in the 21st century, except to learn from it. People should rise from their petty arguments, their petty bigotry, and respect each other, no matter what color you are. My name is Henry Shabansky, my wife Juanita Shabansky, we are an interracial couple. Well, I'll call us biracial. That have been together since 2010. Discuss my poem or yours? Let's discuss yours. Okay. What did you think? Question why is a very good question to ask. The feeling that you convey in the word why is more powerful than answers that I think it's deep, it's meaningful, and there is really nothing else to cover for you. Why? Now, what do you think of my poem? Well, there's problems with it. I was um, I was raised, raised in the same era as you, and I had the, a lot of things that you said, like, um, you know, the Civil War moments. I was young. But I felt the motion of seeing my aunt and my mother looking at it. And then when the riots started, 
my mother was saying they're gonna blame it on us. And it came to be, they were blaming it on the blacks, but there were whites out there also. My, like you was talking about your parents, my parents were, my mother's black, my father's Spanish, oh, my stepfather was black. And he was very militant. He, he worked in the post office. He didn't do any, be with any militant groups or anything, but he was very proud of being black and taught us about blackness and the history. And when we saw the civil rights marches and then the, the looting, he, he explained that we were trying to get our civil rights. I mean, you said criminals, like every black person was a criminal. Oh, there was a few writers, but just like now, there's only a few lawyers and the majority are nonviolent people fighting for their rights. I know that there's two sides, black and white, and don't forget there's Puerto Ricans, Asians, or ethnic groups that were all good and evil. It's just that what is depicted in the news is selected, not portrayed. So then did you believe that, that it was selected? Or now you believe it is selected? I believe it's selected now. I, I agree, because when I was young, whatever was on the news, you didn't question. It was true. No, don't forget, my, when I was young, Walter Cronkite was on the news. Yes. He was the respected man that everybody, all newscasters, looked at to be a measuring stick he was, for. He was a respected white man because there was no blacks. So that was like one of my first things dealing with prejudice. Have you ever dealt with prejudice? Every day. How? Like I said, I am a white man who is 66 years old. I'm also disabled. Prejudice comes in all forms, color or no color. Have you ever been um, discriminated by a black person? Has a black person ever said anything about your whiteness or anything? No, they kid, They were joking uh, about my legs. Uh, they were joking about my wheelchair. They were joking because they could joke. Thinking about being black, thinking about being white, makes no difference when you're in a wheelchair. Did you think you would ever be in an interrelation, um, interrelation? marriage? Tell you the truth, I almost gave up on relationships. Being, I was grown up as I would consider myself a social invalid. Uh, I could talk to the guys with no problem, but when it came to women, my foot was always in my mouth. I didn't know what to say, how to say it. It was just a complete mystery to me in high school. And then when you met me? Oh, I met you. I met you online. 
you were easy to talk to, you were easy to make fun with, you were easy to be around. When you saw my picture, then you, what did you think about this black girl? Did you think this was black girl? To me, I'm a photographer. When I see, when I hear black, I see different shades of black. Uh, pure black, brown, cool black, uh, brown tones, light tones, dark tones. It's the way I think, the way I see and perceive everything. I didn't say that I'm light-skinned because I've never, I've heard people saying your skin. But I mean, I, I think of me as just black. So when I saw you, and then I talked to you, your color didn't matter, whether you were light or dark. The color didn't matter. Your heart mattered. Your sense of humor mattered. Your kindness matters. The essence of a human being came through. That's funny, because... When I saw you were white, <laughs> I was hesitant. I was thinking, is he going to be fun or boring? Is he going to be part of the family? Mostly I thought about your, your relatives that I had not met yet. Are they going to like me? Are they going to be, we say something because I'm black and he's white? Because I know that my stepfather would, is rolling over his grave. My father is rolling over his grave as well. Yeah. He always said, find a woman that cooks like your mother. Oh, well, my father's a yeah. very black man. <laughs> we come from a different background, but we always seem to merge where it matters. How do you feel with all these police murdering black men? I noticed in your writing you said, that you didn't agree with the cry of Black Lives Matter? What do you mean by that? I mean that not only Black Lives Matter, everyone should matter. I disagree with you. Fine. You have to say Black Lives Matter. Why? Because white lives... Oh, wait a minute. It's so, a privilege. Nobody has to... What white is, man, don't have to step out that door thinking, oh, shit, I'm making... What is it with the privilege, the word lives? makes it a privilege. You are a privilege to be alive. You are a privilege to learn. You are a privilege to know oneself. You cannot be privileged to be one race or another. You can when you own half the things in this world, when decisions are made mostly by your color, that's when they have privilege, and, and black people don't have that privilege. We don't have the privilege of being mostly in Congress. Who's in the power? Stupid mostly people. White, no, not stupid people. Mostly white people, white men. People. And they don't want to change the majority. And how is it in your personal life between you and your wife being different colors? I don't think there is a change. There's a, there's a difference. There's an, I have an acceptance of her. I have an acceptance and I have a respect for her. All right? It doesn't change. What goes on in my house is totally separate 
from the outside world. Once we get outside, it's a whole different ballgame. She's still my wife. I will love her dearly. I disagree. Well, then, I think we agree to disagree then. I think in our relationship, a lot of times you feel privileged because you're white and because you're handicapped. Let me tell you something about being white and handicapped. Okay? It took me almost 30 years to find a job because insurance reasons. Can you climb the stairs? Can you go down the stairs? Or if you can't, then you can't do the job. And they laughed at it. Alright? I know the bigotry. I know the the digs. I've seen it happen. This is what my father taught me. My father told me to defend myself no matter what. That's simple. Life was hard. And being in a wheelchair in 1960s was hard. While people were walking over a bridge, I understood why they were walking over the bridge. I understood the rights, the civil rights. In fact, it shouldn't really be civil rights. It just should be civil being human. You know, treat each other normally as people would treat you. At least that's what everybody is telling everybody else. How do you feel when a young black man is murdered and it's on TV and it's a policeman that did it. I don't longer look at at the news like uh like in the old days. It's like the news makes its own news and if they don't have the news they make one up. Fake it's news? it's fake news. It's not fake Yeah, you'd see the person die. You'd see the person shot. But they don't tell you what perceived what happened before that. It's hearsay, conjecture, everything else. It's not the truth. It's perception. And then they release it and everybody perceives that to be true. When it may not be. So you're blaming the victim? I'm not blaming nothing. I'm just saying that news largely is fabricated to serve the audience, to sell ratings. And how about now when you sit there and you see somebody actually killing somebody, somebody on somebody's neck, somebody's putting, corralling somebody's Then I sit, that's when I go back to stupid people. Because the people, they should get what they get. You put on a uniform you are supposed to hold above the law. You are a lawman. You are supposed to respect the law that you promise to give. If you don't give it, then you are a hypocrite. You're a criminal because you let a man die. Even in this day, 
with all this violence against both black men. I still respect police because that's what I was taught when I was young. I don't exactly trust them anymore, but I still respect them. Thank you for listening to this emergency episode of We Need Gentle Truths for Now. Black Lives Matter. Stay open to contradictions and power offline. We have heard the poetry of Juanita and Henry, wife and husband, interracial couple, disabled older Americans stuck at home during COVID-19, and ever more dependent on the digital, each other, and the art and conversation they can make together. What is radical digital media literacy given the fact of fake news? Poetry about fake news. Poetry about our truths. Being together on and offline to rally new affiliations and forms for assistance, compassion, and trust. Join us in this endeavor. This episode was produced, written, and read by Alexander Juhas. It was directed and edited by Matthew Hiddle and copy edited by Gavin McCormick. Music by Noah Chevin. Social media assistance by Julia Gill and Cole Richards. Performances by Juanita and Henry Sapansky. Thank you for listening.